This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. We're here to talk about JMU men's basketball, Jack. First, perhaps most importantly, we got to talk about garage doors. Yeah, who knew that you could be the official <laughs> garage door partner of JMU Athletics? Because last time I checked, I don't think they have that many garage doors. Yeah, it begged the question, which you did ask on Twitter from JMU Sports News. <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> like... like like, I get it when, like, Pepsi, the official drink right. sponsor of the NFL, or or Coca-Cola, like, those I, make sense. McDonald's, it's stupid, but they're the official fast food partner of every single sport out there. But I'm nothing against Gorillas. I assume they're a great garage door company, and if I lived in the Harrisonburg area, I guarantee I'd be using Gorilla because I see that commercial four times every commercial break. But each time I have the question... What does it mean to be the official garage door partner of JMU Athletics? And no one answered except for JMU Sports Properties on Twitter, who didn't even answer the question. I'm going to pull up the exact tweet because what they said confused me more. They said, wow, I wonder who came up with that idea. Seems pretty smart. What idea? The idea to put official JMU garage door. Was that the idea? I mean, I Probably. guess it worked because we're talking about it now, but who knew I'd start this podcast on a garage door rant? They probably paid him to be the official garage door sponsor. So from JMU Sports Properties perspective, good on them. <laughs> yeah, honestly, true. And it did get us to give them completely, um, complete free advertising, putting them on our Twitter. And Door Gorilla, Lenny Campbell Service Company Incorporated, garage door specialists. If you're listening to this and you want to become a podcast partner, <laughs> please email us jmusportsnews at gmail.com or slide into our Twitter DMs. We will be glad to have you sponsor everything and you can become the official garage door partner of the JMU Sports News podcast. I would definitely accept that. And it's exciting too, because we've got about 1500 followers and 
gosh, if they aren't always talking about garage doors, man. So that plug for them, I think is going to lead to a, a big influx of business. Yeah, you guys, be, you, you guys would be surprised in our notifications, the amount of who is your official <laughs> garage door partner? I'm kind of surprised that you guys haven't, haven't announced that. So it's just a matter of time. We're waiting for the right uh, partner. And I do feel like Door Gorilla, um, doorgorilla.com, uh, the official garage door provider for JMU Athletics, could be the right partner for us here at JMU Sports News Podcast. It's definitely been a weight on our shoulders, you know, to, to try to find one of these sponsors. No. <laughs> but I was cracking up at that because, uh, you know, the official garage door sponsor, kind of nonsense. But, hey, like this JMU men's basketball team, they're playing well. They're a team that I would want to sponsor. I think the the eyeballs they're now getting on Flow Sports, the amount of people who now want to pay $12 a month or $7.99 with Whatever the CA, it is. CA discount, um, is it's going up there. It's it's actually kind of exciting. They've won, what, seven of the last eight, and they're starting to get a little buzz. Sure, seven of the last eight. Think of what this season would be if they could just beat two MEAC teams to start. Gosh, I mean, you have to kind of feel like the, the challenge win was maybe when the tides turned and the team really started to hit its stride. I hate you. <laughs> no, but it, it, is, it is something I think Bennett um, kind of half-heartedly tried to segue us into men's basketball. And I guess we'll just dive right into it because – this team has made some great strides and people are watching the games now. And we have to say our like engagement rate on Twitter has exploded. Like we're seeing not all the way football level of engagement, but like when we, when we post about football on Twitter, like it's a guaranteed 30 likes and retweets and, and people mentioning and replying and everything for basketball. Since we started Jamie sports news, basketball would just fall on deaf ears. Women's basketball would outperform men's basketball by tenfold. And now that Jamie men's basketball is starting to play well again, um, our notifications are blowing up when it comes to Jamie men's basketball tweets. And it's been, I'd say it's been fun to watch. What have you seen? I mean, what they've played one game since our last, I'm looking at the schedule. They played one game two games since yes, our last podcast beating Drexel 73-64 beating Elon 78-57 21 point win which is the largest win against a CAA opponent since that one since I think it's Delaware and I want to say 2015 2016 I can't remember I think it was 2016 in February February of 2016 they beat Delaware by 25 Delaware had some really down years there and ended up moving on from their coach. Uh, JMU did the same despite not having <laughs> really a down year, uh, but they moved on. So it was a, a really good win against Elon. I think what stood out to me in that one is that Matt Lewis and, and Vado Morse, um, I think it's Morse, right? Every time in the broadcast, I swear they say Morse. But anyway. I think we um, pronounced his first name incorrectly. Is it Vado? We have a DM about it. Oh, well. He was one for 10, <clears throat> regardless of how you say his name. He was one for 10. Matt Lewis was three for 10. So to have those guys go four of 20 from the field and win a game by 20 points to me was really impressive. And, you know, credit to the bench guys and the other contributors who, who come in and were able to make a big impact. You had Wooden and Strickland both played well. They're, they're starters, but they both played well. Uh, Michael Christmas, I thought, was decent off the bench only three for 10 but it seemed like he was aggressive had six rebounds and was battling in there Zach Jacobs had 11 points he he was showing off a hook shot which I I didn't know that he had uh, who, so that who was, was that sorry I missed it who Zach who? Jacobs oh he, he was balling he had a game he had a game so it was uh 
it was impressive there. So I think for them to to play the way they did with Bado, Morse, and uh, Matt Lewis not playing well, I think was super valuable and good and showed that maybe there's some potential for this team. Yeah, it was definitely the best game I've seen out of the squad, I would say. Like, to put it in that term, Lewis and Morse didn't have good games. Um, a lot of struggles from the floor, but, but when shots needed to be made, Jalen Hodge came up with – uh, three for four from deep. I think he was four for seven um, all around shot. I mean, that's 75% from deep. That's fantastic. Zach Jacobs, like you were saying, he was balling out, making the right plays at the right time. And I think that was probably one of the best games I've ever seen from Zach Jacobs on the offensive and defensive side. Knew his role, did what he needed to do, and got points. And outside of those guys, Michael Christmas hit clutch shots. Wooden was hitting clutch shots. I mean, when this team, we, we came into this game thinking Morse and Lewis were the engine that makes it run, that they need to have good games in order to kind of have this team have the ability to, to be in games and, and win. But they both, not saying they had bad games, but the role players kind of stepped up and did what they needed to do, where Matt Lewis and Morse didn't have to kind of play superhero ball. For sure. And I think some of that, it, it helps when you play Elon. Hey, hey, Elon. hey, hey, let's not bring up the fact that they played the worst team in the net in the CAA. Elon's not all that great. So I think that's one of those where if you're playing a Northeastern, like we saw, I think you probably need Vado, Vado and uh, and Matt to do something offensively. Uh, but I will say Lewis had four steals. So even though he wasn't shooting the ball great, did that, made all his free throws. And then Morris had five assists to one turnover. So they found ways to contribute in other ways. But obviously they weren't weren't scoring much. But the team as a whole, we mentioned this a lot, Turnovers were low. They get to the free throw line a lot, and they actually made some of them. They were 19 of 25, which kind of a pleasant surprise because sometimes they'll go up and they'll be like nine for 25, and you're like, oh my god, what am I watching? And then they, so they shot the ball, <laughs> right? So they made 76 percent of their free throws. But the thing that stands out is they like they kind of they weren't good shooting the ball. They're 40 percent, 32 percent from three, and they won by 20 points. Like that has me super excited. Four guys in double figures, Wooden with eight. So Wooden with eight and Christmas with eight. Mm -hmm. So easily could have been six guys in double figures if just a couple things went a different way. But you brought this up and I want to touch on it. And it's something that I don't know if we've necessarily mentioned at length on the podcast, but we mentioned at length in our text conversations. And that's with Morse. We, we, it was after the Northeastern game when he had his worst game of the season up to that point. And he kind of looked like almost a, a liability on defense and was turning the ball over and looked like, not that the moment was too big for him, but just that things were going really fast and maybe just over time now that he's gotten accustomed to the defense and the offense as a whole, that he's starting to just make an impact on the game outside of his scoring. But I remember at that point, after that Northeastern game one, where things looked like to be a struggle for the offense as a whole, um, I kind of I, I said if if Morse's shots aren't sinking, he's almost a liability on the court. But man, he's proved me completely wrong. Granted, we did say it's against Elon, so kind of take this all with a grain of salt. But I mean, he was one what you said one of ten from the field, one of seven from deep. But he didn't turn the ball over all that much. He was making the right uh, making the right plays, making an impact defensively, and I think that's huge because if because you're not going to have a huge game every night, so just make an impact somewhere else. And in North, the Northeastern North game, he did not do that. But in this Elon game, he did that 100% and made a huge impact 
not scoring the ball, but with everything else. Yeah, I wonder how much of it has to do, too, with just, you know, the way the game was going and the score. I think with them still in the game and leading, when he knew he was struggling, but he still seemed pretty engaged. And you saw after the game, I think you mentioned it, he was super stoked for Jalen Hodge. I think he called him like he was his son or something. <laughs> so I think he was excited for his teammates going out there and doing well. And I think maybe a little bit, Northeastern's a better defensive team, obviously, than Elon. So that certainly plays a role. And I think they started to really let that game get away from him. So I wonder if that was just an instance of him being, you know, like if I don't shoot one of 10, we have a chance to beat this top team in the league. But I did that. Maybe he got a little bit upset in the moment. I think he clearly showed that he's a resilient and really good player that I think they can build around this year, obviously, and then next year as well as a top scorer. The way he bounced back in the Northeastern series was something else. He went crazy. Was it against Drexel or was it against Towson when he scored like the first, he had 11 points? And That was Drexel. He just – he 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 fizzled not fizzled out that's not the right way to put it he he finished with like kind of an average stat line and if you just are box score watching you look at that and you're like okay he had a solid game nothing mm-hmm. too special but if you watch the game yeah that Drexel game he was absolutely just flames from the court at the beginning of it and I think eventually he was just heat checking himself after he probably started putting up the 15 points in 10 minutes he just started heat checking himself and that's why his box score looked a little average at the end of the game but that was that was probably one of the best basketball performances I've seen from a JMU player in a long time yeah I've just been impressed by the way that he's he's sort of rallied since the bad northeastern game and it looks like he's a really good second piece to Matt Lewis it's a team that's that's playing well and has some positive pieces I'm excited about him I think there is a little buzz there is a little excitement there's we probably had 15 people or so, maybe, maybe less than that, but 10 to 15 people that like are interested in pretty much anything we say about Jamie sports. Right. So <laughs> Jamie men's basketball could go 0 and 25 and they'd still be there and be like, I kind of like what you said about Matt Lewis. Like that's an interesting take. I was watching the games too. Uh, but then now you've got more people who are actually coming in and they're like, Oh my God, like this is what's going on. I saw Jamie Barstool. Um, they've gotten more engagement recently. Um, I think some of the students probably follow that maybe more so than, than us in the sports blog guys. It's but, fine. It's whatever. Yeah. But I think I know to see some interest there and to see people kind of caring is exciting and a, definitely a good thing um, because next year you would assume that they'll at least have more fans. I hope, hopefully it's able to be full um, with, with how the pandemic goes. But once they do that, you need people to be engaged. You need people outside of Harrisonburg to want to occasionally visit for a weekend and come watch a basketball game. Otherwise you're not going to get anywhere close to filling that place up. So I think they're, they're moving in the right direction. I think this is this, this season, this pandemic season is playing out exactly like how, I mean, of course, JMU like as the entity itself and, and as the team itself would rather have fans in the stands to cheer on. I think this is the best way to play it out. If you can't have fans in the stands, and you went out and you had a, another abysmal season and that's four years of bad play. And then you bring in a new coach and it's another year of bad play. I think it'd be really hard to get any type of excitement around this team for next season. I mean, you both were kind of talking about how we didn't expect them to go out and start five and one in conference play. We kind of expected a middle of the pack kind of 500, maybe slightly below 500 CAA season. Um, and they've gone out and they've, they've generated this excitement for next season where people are looking forward to the new arena being open to fans and they want to get down there and watch this team in person. So I think this is turning out to be the perfect pandemic season for men's basketball. 
here's what I will say. I'm going to rain on the parade now. All right, here he comes. <laughs> I've, I, I just want to preface this with, we'll probably get into this more, but I'm fully on this bandwagon. I've probably been the most flip-floppy person of JMU, like, media, if that's what we can even call ourselves. Oh, we're giving ourselves the tag. We'll give ourselves. <laughs> I think I think I've been the most flip-floppy person being all in on this team and all out and hating yeah. it and loving it. I'm back on the bandwagon, if it exists. Harry Holtzclaw called us out and was like, what bandwagon? I think there is one, and I'm back on it. I don't think Bennett is fully <laughs> on it, and I think he's about to rain on my parade right now. Okay, so here's my thing. They're clearly better, in my opinion, than they were at any point during the row era. Like, I think the way they play, they've improved from the first game to the 15th game. Like, to me, they're better than they were during the row era. But here's the thing. That's not really the point. The point, <laughs> Jeff Bourne, what he, by mutually parting ways, firing Matt Brady, was basically the decision that, hey, we want to take the next step from being, you know, a solid team to being a team that consistently contends to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And that's sort of where they need to get to. So I, I'm still going to rain on it a little bit because they finished 2016 when they fired Brady. They were 91 in Ken Palm. They won 21 games. Like they're a top 100 team, at least per Ken Palm. They got to 70 at one point during the season, actually in February. So they had some guys that were doing nice things. They won, I think they started 16 and five that season. So they weren't bad. They were doing some things right. And then they would go into the conference tournament and flame out. So I still want to see, and this year is probably not a fair year because like there's no known, like is JMU even going to make it to the conference tournament in terms of playing in it? Like what if they have a COVID pause three days before, you know? So I won't judge them on the uh, conference tournament too much, but it's a team that like, I want to see them actually do stuff when it matters. I think they've reached a point now where it's like, I'm interested in this team. They have regained my trust. I believe they can win basketball games, but I need to see you do something relevant because you still have two MIAC losses. You're playing in a terrible league. Like, I want to see something real. Can I push back on that a little bit? Yeah, heck yeah. Because they're five and one in conference. The two MIAC losses, I did joke about that to start the, start, start the podcast. But in their defense on those, I will defend this team. Norfolk State was the second game of the season. You're coming off of Limestone University. So you can't – you're learning the system. You just came out of a COVID pause. Like, there's a lot of – a lot of other, like, extenuating circumstances when it comes to that Norfolk State loss. Morgan State loss, that was bad. But they had a lead the entire second half, and then they just fell apart late, which isn't the best excuse for a loss. I understand. But then when the games actually mattered, because non-conference, when it is in the CAA, when you're playing FAU, Morgan State, Limestone University, you're playing these, these schools that are so bad that it doesn't help. Like Non-conference, it doesn't matter when you play in the CAA. All that matters is when you start conference play. And when they've started conference play, they've won the games. They're 5-1 and one over – what are they, 6-1 and one over their last? 7? 7-1 seven in their last 8. Seven and one in their last. Thank you. One of the game wins point. was Chawan, but still seven and one in their last eight. But so since since conference play started, they're five and one. They've won the games that that are on the schedule that are put in front of them, and that's all they can do. So I understand that you're wait like you're hesitant in saying I'm going to wait until conference tournament action starts and see what they do. But isn't it kind of selling them a little short that they're five and one in conference play? They're they've won the games that they've been they've been slated to play and some of them have been moved around on them. And in this weird pandemic season, I think 
every game is a challenge and they've gone out and they've dominated Elon. They dominated Drexel. They split with Northeastern somehow, and they've swept the season series against Towson. What I will say is as easily as I talk myself into them, I can push myself back and talk myself out of them. So like the first Towson game, remember Towson was coming off a pause itself. And we were like, you got to win this game because they're coming yeah. off a pause. Boom. They did it. Elon, who they just beat, played on January 30th and January 31st. Before that, they hadn't played since January 3rd. So Elon's barely played basketball. They're not particularly good when they do play. So yeah, like, I can push played my... two games since coming out of the pause. Like that's enough. You, you, I mean, you, you go a whole them... month without, you go a whole month without a game. I still think there's rust in those first couple games. I, yeah, first couple. We were the third. I don't know. I'm not giving – well, Elon's also bad. Like, that's my thing. Well, yeah, like, okay, Elon, yeah. Elon's a terrible team. They're bad, and they had a pause. Like, I don't – they clearly are – JMU is clearly a better team, and they blew them out, which is what they're supposed to do. I think my thing is, like, I've already accepted that they're better, and they're going to be better than they were under Lewis Rowe because I think they're – actually well coached now but my issue and kind of what's not really an issue is like I'm ready to now compare them to Matt Brady teams it's, it's still too early to really know what Mark Bynes will get them to be but I still have some hesitancy because Matt Brady was able to have them become a 20 win team that still was never really relevant so can Mark Byington take them to a top CA team, but then actually when it matters, when it really matters and you win the game or your season ends, like, can you pick up those or can you outlast Brady who wasn't actually able to win regular season titles? He got really close and we put him at like third, sometimes top five in the CA. But like, if you win the regular season, I believe you get uh, automatic into the NIT, Mm -hmm. which I don't even know if they're having it this year, but for future seasons, like an NIT berth, is a pretty good step for JMU where it is right now. So if they're able to get that kind of thing, that's huge. I just want to see, like, can they actually take that next step from, like, I think at a point now they're they're competent, which is, like, so nice, man, after the last four years to have a team that, like, oh, my God, they didn't blow a 20-point lead. Yeah, I think, that, <laughs> I think that's more. my point. It's, like, they're a good team right now and I'm enjoying every game and going into every game. Like I feel like they can win and it's going to be a good one. So I understand that you have some hesitancy to declare this, like they're back. JMU's back in the CAA. Cause yeah, I mean, they haven't done anything except win five of six in the CAA against bad teams. Just enjoy the ride though. Like enjoy getting there. Like this season, is crazy and topsy-turvy and as john rothstein would stay say stay positive and test negative i will say that i am enjoying it i'm enjoying the games i get excited on game day which i don't think i did last year i think last year there were days when i would actively seek out to not watch them play um so i'm certainly enjoying it a lot more i just as the buzz generates and people get excited i hope we also keep in perspective that like JMU in the conference can dominate teams. We've seen that in football, softball, not baseball, but we've seen it in like these sports, women's basketball even, where they've really gone out and dominated the conference. And I think that's the standard we should hold the men's basketball team to. First year in a pandemic, do they need to get there? No, but I think in the future they should. And that's what I want. I want people to to get interested enough to care and then set expectations and be like, all right, Like, we haven't gotten to any point relevant in terms of, like, an NIT 
or an NCAA tournament where we weren't like a 16 seed getting our minds blown like through our heads or whatever in a long time. So I just want to see them compete and, and get to something relevant. That's all. Yeah, I understand that. I do think based off of the small sample size we have of Mark Byington, it's fully in the cards that we are going to become a relevant program, if not on the national scale, at least in the mid-major scale, which I think is the the first step that needs to happen. And it's just crazy, crazy how much more energy, um, efficiency, um, just trying to think of every positive adjective that Byington is squeezing out of this team this season. They went 0-2 last season against Elon. They lost every CAA game last season except for the <laughs> two against UNCW. They've got UNCW They're five next. They're 5-1 against CAA competition. They were 2-14 and what, 14 against CAA last season? 2-16 two and two and last season. In 2018-19, they were 6-12. and 12. JMU is on pace to win more CAA games than they did the last two seasons combined. Yeah, and they, were, they already eclipsed last year's win total. They had nine total wins. They've got the 10 now. So, I mean, that's exciting. I am super stoked. Like, I think they've really shown some stuff, and they return a whole hell of a lot. Obviously, Lewis, you would think, would go and try to – become an NBA player, go to the G League or whatever. In um, theory, they're returning the entire roster. Is Jacobs a senior? But it's just like Jacobs and Lewis, right? Jacobs and Lewis, but Jacobs can return. Like this season doesn't Oh, he could, count. yeah, because he's obviously not going pro. So, no. Okay. But Shane, wow. <laughs> no, <laughs> that came off way harsher. I just like – Matt Lewis is like the CAA player of the year and probably an NBA guy. I don't – Jacobs is like a glue guy in the CAA. He could probably play like overseas, but he's probably not a, an NBA guy. I think that's fair to say without being offensive. But <laughs> it came off way harsher than what I meant. But they, you're right. They return a ton. They've got really good freshmen. Terrell Strickland, don't look now, but he can actually shoot the three. I was talking – I think – I don't know if I actually talked about that, but like he's someone who – People had guarded off him. He loves the corner. He, like, runs to the corner and was banging threes. Had a dagger three against Rexel. I like this team. I like this team. They've got a lot of really good young talent. The other thing that was interesting is um, Byington said Joel Mensa was playing really well preseason practices, then got hurt, and it slowed him down. That was sort of part of the poor performance. I think he's in a boot now. I don't know. Maybe they end up getting, like, a, a center presence eventually. So super excited about the potential. Like, I won't – sell them short. I'm very excited about what they've done. I also just in the back of my mind, I'm like, don't get too excited about them beating Elon to go to 10 and five, but I am excited. Okay. That's all. That's all I was trying to get out of you to say that you're excited and that you <laughs> enjoy this team. Cause I didn't want you to come off as too um, rainy on the parade. I do have yeah. one thing to say before we move on to the last, maybe not, maybe not leaving the last subject, but the next subject, this team, every player knows its role. Like, yes. In past seasons, it was lots of talent on the floor. Darius Banks, Dwight Wilson has gone to Ohio and is one of the best players on that, if not the best player on that team. There was um, Matt Lewis, of course. That team had talent. But they never really truly knew their role, it seemed. There were times you gave me a weird look. Sorry, I was looking at the women's basketball schedule. Never mind, I'll tell you in a second. Okay. <laughs> That, that team, like, 
there's lots of talent in each game. One of them could take over of those, the, the big three they had, but it never really seemed like they knew who they were yes. from top to bottom. There was never a cohesiveness with that starting five. And I'm not saying that they didn't like each other or anything like that. I bet they're all still best friends because they grew up on that JMU team together. What I'm saying is this team knows Matt Lewis is the scorer. Morse is the number two. And from there, they all know that, like you said, Strickland goes to the corner. Hodge knows that he's coming off the bench and he's going to make an important impact coming in for Morse and getting those minutes. Zach Jacobs, who used to like chuck up threes and just offensively was almost a liability. He now knows that he's the glue guy that's going to go down in the paint and soak up minutes and try and get rebounds. And he's going to get the putbacks. Like, Everyone on this team knows their role, and that's the difference from past seasons. Next thing I need you to hit me with, Peter Mooney tweeted this. I trust you guys will have the – this is the longest winning streak against D1 teams for men's basketball since. I'm going to need you to hit me with that. They had a five-game winning streak in – I've also found it's way easier to look at this on Ken Palm than it is on, like, the JMU schedule because you can see the entire Scrolling through the schedule in one image. They won five in a row, Brady's last season. No, second to last. Wait, hold on. I think they did his last season, too. Yeah, they did his last season. Good Lord. They had a, a really heck of a stretch in there when they got to 16-5. and five. But they won five CAA games in a row uh, in January. It beat Towson, Northeastern, Hofstra, Drexel, Elon during that stretch, three of those on the road. Wait, um, who they beat? Towson, Northeastern, Hofstra, Drexel, Elon. That's the same five JMU's beat. It's a similar extent. There's a Hofstra mix oh, where we had um, missed Hofstra. Someone we had ta- we had two thousand. No, two thousands. No, not uh, we, we had only had won four in a row. That's why. So it's the same four, and then they had the extra one. Got it. Got it. Got it. For their winning streak. So, coinkadink. Pretty exciting there. And then I think it's um. What was the other question? It was like the last time they started five and one in conference. That too. <clears throat> that too. I think that was, yeah, it was 2011, I believe. 2011, they won their first, looks like they won their first five, actually. Um, this was back, Georgia State was a CAA team. Oh, and so it was Old Dominion and Mason, I think. So it was, you know, good old days, BCU. Back when the CAA was... Been a long time. No, but it's awesome, man. They've gone on a roll. They've gotten things going. There was something, you mentioned their roles. I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, but yeah, it seems like they they do know their roles, which is super exciting, and they're embracing them and, and playing hard oh at the end of the game matt lewis drives toward the rim against elon they're up by a million there's a hard foul <laughs> i didn't think it was that hard but matt lewis got hit pretty hard kind the guy was kind of going for the ball but not that much and he kind of threw him down matt lewis got up like he was about to throw hands and like four guys come in wouldn't got a technical because he shoved somebody amadi was about to shove somebody and i was like aside from lewis Rowe getting two nonsense technicals um in that C tournament game where he basically did nothing and they ejected him after like eight minutes we went on to win that's the first time i've seen like legitimate fight from a, a jmu team like they were about to throw hands man they were scrapping i'm like heck yeah like you're taking down their star and there's like four guys who are about to punch this dude in the face i'm like all right like i like this team i think they're bonding well they're showing some fight that said a lot to me even though i think it was a very kind of a mild overreaction. I didn't think it was really that hard a foul, but hey, Matt Lewis is the one who actually got thrown down up 20 with a minute left. I didn't. Um, so he got up and and they were 
they were fiery, got some technicals, and I was excited because it's a team that there's so many times the last few years where I just wanted to see them show a little more fight. And I think right now, like the guys down low, they don't have a true five, but they're willing to sort of throw their bodies around and and they'll get a little feisty after a play. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. I think they've got a little bit of a chip and a toughness they haven't had in previous seasons. Yeah, and for not having a five, it's not, it, it hasn't shown its head too much recently. Because like you said, they're they're down low throwing their bodies around and Amadi is scrappy down there. Like he will not quit until they're at half court sometimes it seems like. And he's very bouncy, which helps when you're trying yeah. to like grab rebounds. The fact that he can just sky up and go out and, and get one. He had one he like tipped to himself yesterday where I was like, oh my God, he's got a crazy wingspan. So I'm excited about the team. I'm excited. I think I am, I'm trying to stay a little calm and telling myself like, all right, I want to see more. I want to see more. But so far for what I've expected from a pandemic season, they've exceeded my expectations. Yeah, and I mean, for wanting to see more, they every time you want to see a win, what do they do? They go out and win, and they they put up, they go up fifteen to two or something ridiculous against the next closest team at the time in the net ranking. Good wins, good wins. Last point I have: they go, they're really capable of those like nine or ten o runs like that. Like it could be two minutes. Like yesterday, they gave up that fourteen o run after we had texted each other like thirty times about like what we're going to tweet after the win and like how they had won and how excited and we were. like, we were. Oh then, no. <laughs> and then they were <laughs> giving up a lead a little bit. And then they just hit Elon with a 10 0 run like that. And I was like, wow. They called timeout and they came out of a timeout with a 10 0 run. When was the <laughs> last time you saw a JMU team call a timeout and come out with a run? Maybe the Brady era. Like, <laughs> well, I also think Byington has his pulse on calling timeouts when they need one a little bit better. I think there were some times where they'd be getting kind of on a run and row and maybe wait a little too long. And by that point, they're already deflated or it was a media timeout. So I think they've done a better job of like taking timeouts and buying to get some over. And he's like, hey, like remember the stuff we were doing that got us up 20? And then they would just like, they settle in and they go out and do it. That's the other thing. They don't, they don't ever seem panicked. In years past, I think there were some looks that were just like their eyes were like deer in the headlights. And now it's like, all right, we know what we're doing. Let's just go do it. And they do. It's crazy, man. Crazy. All right. Women's basketball. Women's basketball. I will now tell you why I gave you a weird look. So they, I guess they rescheduled. They're playing Elon this weekend. They were supposed to play William and Mary. Um, yeah. So it was like a, a schedule change, but they still list them both. So it said both teams are playing it. They're going to play Elon and William and Mary at two o'clock. And then the one is obviously postponed, but it's way over to the right. So I was like, what are they doing? Like an AB, AB team thing here? Like, <laughs> they're going to get killed. <laughs> Power Rangers. So that, that's why I did the look. I was like, I know scheduling's tough, but this idea seems so dumb. <laughs> Send one team to. <laughs> well, it's got them both in Harrisonburg too. So you go to one game in a practice court, and you don't even get. Then you go to the convo for one, and then. Oh yeah. <laughs> you could do a dueling, a dueling uh, flow sports, which uh, Flow Hoops actually does anyway by scheduling the men's and the women's games at the same time. Idiots. All right. <laughs> I guess that's the conference. That's not <laughs> not float. The CA that I love when they do that. We're like, oh yeah, well your men's team and your women's team play at once, so you can only choose one. I like how you take your anger out on CAA scheduling out on Flow Hoops. You're like, screw you, Flow Hoops, for airing them at the same time when in reality it's the CAA deciding, you know, let's schedule these at the same exact time. I think I hate it too partially because like I watched the JMU game yesterday and almost had motion sickness my flow feed I don't know my wi-fi has been a lot better recently but um the the flow 
feed was like choppy, but not too choppy. It was just enough where they weren't moving quite quite <laughs> right. And I was like, I'm going to get sick. I think that's a you problem though, because my, I have, people talked a lot about flow problems and flow issues. I haven't had like a technical issue because of flow yet. I've had it because of the broadcasts, like from the schools, but I haven't had a flow issue yet. And some of our older listeners too, maybe some of the the Elder Duke Club alumni might also have flow issues. And we're talking about flow hoops here, just to clarify in case they're they're dealing with some prostate stuff. Um, anyway, that was a terrible <laughs> joke. Okay, let's get into women's basketball. Wow, that was terrible. <laughs> it's so women's good. Basketball yet again splits, winning the first <sighs> one and then dropping the second one. At one point, I think they were down 17 to College of Charleston in the first half. Storm all the way back. The comeback falls a little bit short and drops 65 yeah. to 63 on the Sunday game. Beat them pretty well, pretty handily in that first game, though, on Saturday, 70 to 56. Do you think this is a coaching problem? Do you think this is just the way the CAA is set up with these back-to-backs, and this is what we're going to see? Um, mini plug dating back to last week's podcast episode when we talked to Kamaya. Kamaya Smalls brought up the fact that she doesn't think that either side kind of benefits from this. If you're going out and you're giving your all, it's going to be tough to play back-to-back games. And just listen, just watching so much, not to like toot my own horn that I watch so much basketball, but (laughs) the fact that I'm watching like four games a night of mid-major basketball, a lot of the announcers are also talking about how outside of just the physical stuff for the winning team, there's almost a mental block that, that during those 24 hours, when you finish to your next game, you're not watching film as harder. You're not thinking like about how to win as much because you just beat them. Like there's that, it's just human nature that you just beat this team. So of course, like even if you are outwardly saying that, no, it's going to be a tough battle tomorrow. There's your subconscious kind of back there, like saying you beat them, don't work as hard. And I, th- yeah. I don't know. There's just something weird. I think it's easier for like, like let's say last year's team, um, they're probably a little more talented too, um, just because they were so experienced. But last year's team, so many upperclassmen and seniors, I think their focus, like one game to the next, a Saturday to a Sunday, I think they would have kept that intensity. This year's team's just so young that you mentioned it's like human nature. And also when you're young, if you just beat a team by 15, which is kind of what they're doing in those first games, you're not going to have the same desperation and it's really hard to like fake that in the second game, especially when you're not like a senior who's like, you know what, this is the last season I'm playing basketball. And like, I know we need to get these wins when you're a freshman or a sophomore. I think coach O can tell you about the desperation you need. And then the first quarter happens and you're down 15 and you're like, so that's what he means. I think they've kind of experienced that a little bit where they've come out of the gate super slow on these back to backs where they're just, you know, facing a, pretty sizable halftime deficit or, or something like that. I think against Northeastern, they actually had a good opening quarter and then we're still down at halftime. So they've kind of struggled in those, those opening quarters, second quarter specifically to really get things going and, and stress it and, and make sure that they're focused the way they need to be, which is kind of why I'm excited to watch them play Elon. Um, partially because this is only the second back to back that they've had at home which I think gives them a little bit of an advantage. And they've also already played Elon. So they split with them already. You know what they're going to do. It's just kind of a matter of who can execute better. They're probably, you know, you play each other four times in a month. I don't know how much you can really adjust to change things that much. I think it's just who can execute, who can get it done, and, and who can actually find a way to win both. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it shows too. Like this team is a good team that like if they weren't playing back to backs, they, they would probably be one of the top teams in the CAA just talent wise and record wise. The fact that they are playing these back to backs and they're such a young team. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of splits. If they play college Charleston and beat them by 14 and then they don't play them again for another month and a half, I think they could beat them again by 14. But just playing back to backs, it's gonna it's gonna favor the worst team. And I think some of that too can even you can even make a little men's basketball comparison. They've gotten kind of lucky with the scheduling where they haven't had a lot of back to backs. Just the way things have gone, they've just sort of stuck one game with an opponent in there. So they play them once, they beat them, and they don't have to sort of go through that that second day. And and like you were saying, I think the women's team is really wired to play somebody once. I think we saw that the way they beat Virginia, the way they beat. George Mason, GW, and they just kind of came out and took it to them. Towson's another team. They were able to play them that one time, had a gutsy win, and then they didn't have to come right back the next day. So I think it's something that can be super valuable for these teams is like not having to play two in a row, um, which only happens due to scheduling luck. So it's it's nothing you can really control. But I would like to see them get a, a sweep at some point if they're able to do it. They're certainly good enough to do it. They just got to sort of keep – grinding and pushing and, and hopefully they'll get there yeah i think this elon game is pro- this elon series this weekend is probably one going to be one of their best shots at, at sweeping because sure. at this point it's you're the better team you're at home this is your third and fourth time playing the same team within a month like you know what they're going to do they know what you're going to do go out there and be in bet- go out there and be the better team i also i think they were the, without mcdaniel for the uh, at least the second game. I don't know if she had played the first one or not, um, but Peyton McDaniel's been one of the the best. I guess she didn't play the first one either. Um, can't remember exactly if Coach O had given a ton of detail on that, but she's one of the best players in the team and someone he asked a lot of. So to you know go into a two game series without Peyton McDaniel certainly a challenge. So I'm excited to see how they get how they can improve and, and develop and continue to get better. But I'm excited about the trajectory of both of these teams. Was um the Elon game the one where Coach O missed, or was that Northeastern? He missed. Uh, Ro- he missed the second. He missed the Elon series. Yeah. Oh, so that's a that's another. That's another. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna sweep them, you got Coach O back. You're playing both at home. Um, even if you're potentially without McDaniel, I don't know what her status is. You got to find a way to to gut out some of these and and sweep them. But I like the future of the program. I think they have a chance to to get better but I also think they're good enough this year to pick up some sweeps and and do it they just got to lock in for both days their schedule upcoming is kind of interesting so I don't know if they'll necessarily be able to pick up some sweeps I mean Hofstra Delaware and Drexel are their remaining um I have no idea if Hofstra's good I know Delaware and Drexel are good so you you're looking at probably this weekend and maybe the Hofstra I don't know if Hofstra's good Let's We're see. both checking caasports.com, aren't we, in the standings? I just looked them up. Without standing. Got a lot of ladybugs in my room. Pretty exciting. Got a little, <laughs> my little ladies. All right. They're all living on my window. I don't really know why, but they've been here for a while, and they've sort of just – they're not good. Four and six, six and ten. So they're not great, but they're, they're splittable. They can split you. Yeah, they are splittable. So you got you basically you got you got those two and then there's a I believe there's a Towson midweek game split or not split but just sort of thrown in there like one of them. 
Yeah, there's a Towson midweek on February 10th. There's a UNCW midweek, February 16th. That might be, that probably won't become. They had a postponed UNCW to start the CAA season early on. Um, so they haven't rescheduled that one, I don't believe. So that might get thrown in as another midweek, maybe between Delaware and Trexel type of thing. But keep an eye open on the schedule. It's ever-changing. Do you have anything else to add on women's basketball? Not much. Looking forward to to watching them plus weekend because I believe the men are off this weekend. They are. So finally, flow hoops. You don't have to pick. Classic flow hoops. Always doing this in cahoots with the CA offices, dude. Well, um, I think that's all we have for this week. Um, we urge you guys to go back and listen to our Kamaya Smalls interview last week. That's on Facebook. Watch at JMU Sports News. Just type that in the search bar on Facebook. It's over there. It's also on YouTube. Just kind of uh, search Kamaya Smalls JMU Sports News, and it'll come up there as well. Um, and, of course, it's available wherever you listen to your podcast. Around the 10-minute mark is when that interview starts. But last week's podcast, I got to say, was some pretty – great stuff but it's all probably kind of uh, timed out by now because we kind of talk about what's happening currently so give us a follow if you don't on twitter at jmu sports news um check us out on our home on the web at www.jmusportsnews.com go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to us give us five stars if you so choose um please 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 give us five stars um think that's all I have. I should probably write down this ending spiel so it's not different every week. But for Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.